we don't always have the full picture, right? And when you don't have the full picture, it's hard to know what the full picture is. It's hard to know where you're going, the direction you're headed in. We need the full picture. Uh, it reminds me of a story about uh, a famous artist uh, or an artist that was working on a painting. H.A. Ironside told this story about a guy who was working on a, a mural, had been hired to, to paint a mural, and this was supposed to be like his life's work, his most well-known work of art. And it was going to be, in his mind, what he was the most known for. And he's working on this. He built scaffolding. He's working on it. He's painting the background with grays and blues. And he works for a little while, and he decides he wants to get a different perspective. So he gets off the scaffolding. While he's working, a friend of his walks in, and he has no clue he's there. Well, he backs up, and he's looking at his painting while he's backing up, doesn't know his friend's there, and backs into him. And realizes he's there and he, he says, hey, you know, you, you, you're looking at, at my painting. This is, this is going to be my greatest work ever. What do you think? And his friend says, well, to me, it just looks like a bunch of gray and blue paint. Well, he said, oh, that's right. I forget. You're seeing what's there. I'm already seeing what's going to be there in my mind. And that, that's what we need to be able to do. We don't always have the full picture. But we need, as followers of Christ... If we're going to continue to move forward and advance the kingdom of God, we need to know not only what's here, we need a glimpse of what's going to be here. Now, of course, we don't have that on our own, but God in his grace is willing to give us a vision for the future. He's willing to show us the direction he wants us to go. We're called, we know, to make an impact for the kingdom of God, to reach individuals, to share the gospel. Um, and, and we need to be doing that. And we need to be working together as a church to do that, continue working together. If we are going to do that, then we all need to have the same goal. We all need to be able to see the full picture, or at least as much of it as God is willing to show us. And he is willing to show us some of that picture. We need to be able to see not only what's here, but also what should be here, what he wants to be here uh, in the future. God is giving us, I believe, a, a glimpse of that, has and is continuing to give us a glimpse of what he wants for this church and our place in this community and in his kingdom work. And so this vision will help us make that impact that he wants us to make. And that's what this three-week series, Vision 2020, is all about. Uh, last week, we talked about taking advantage of the opportunities that God gives us. You know, it is up to us. He's, he's, he's promised us blessing. He's promised us opportunities to serve him, a place in his kingdom work. But just like the Israelites had to make the decision whether or not to go into the promised land, we've got to make the decision whether or not we're going to take advantage of those opportunities, whether or not we're going to follow God into the future. Well, today, we're going to talk about what it's going to take for us to make that that impact, to take advantage of the opportunities that God has given us. This week and next, we're going to look at what it will take to make an impact in our world for Jesus Christ and for his kingdom. So let's begin. We're going to look at various verses this morning as we walk through. But the first step, I believe, just like you know, we, we don't always know the big picture, if we're going to move forward, we need a glimpse of the full picture. So in 2020, if we're going to make the impact God wants us to make, I believe we need to have vision. 
in 2020. Now, some of this is going to be a bit of a, a review for, for a lot of you. Some of you who are new, you may not have heard this before, but this is what we believe is the vision that God has given us for this church. Now, if you'll look on the, on the back of your handout, there is a handout that we give to everybody that visits. Uh, and, and their visitor packet and their guest packet that we give them, this is our vision handout. It's just a summary of what we believe God has called us to be about at this church. And so I'm going to walk you through that uh, very briefly. I want to begin with Proverbs 29:18. Why do we need a vision? Well, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. Unrestrained, undisciplined. Other versions say the people will run wild. The King James says where there is no vision, people will perish because there's chaos. There's no form. There's no order. And so we need vision. And make your dreams come true, Charles Swindoll said, vision is essential for survival. It is spawned by faith, sustained by hope, sparked by imagination, and strengthened by enthusiasm. It is greater than sight, deeper than a dream, and broader than an idea. Vision encompasses vast thoughts outside the realm of predictability, the safe, outside the realm of the predictable, the safe, and the expected. No wonder we perish without it. Without the vision, a vision from the Lord, people will perish. There's chaos. So, what is vision? Let's begin there with a definition. Vision is a perception. It's the perception and expression of the favorable outcome to your mission. It is where we want to be, the end result, the end goal. Ten years from now, what do we want to be, this church to be described at? What do we feel like the Lord wants this church to be? How do we want this church to be described? Well, our vision here specifically, and this is where your, your handout begins, um, our vision, we believe that God has called this church to be a church that is actively connecting our world, the people in our world, to Christ and to his people, to his church, through intentional evangelism, dynamic worship, loving fellowship, personal discipleship, and caring ministry. That that, a healthy church, we believe that describes a healthy church. That, that if we are going to be a church that's making an impact in our world and beyond, that that has to describe who we are as a church. That's the end goal. That's where we want to end up. That's what we want to be as a church family, as the body of Christ. That's the common goal that we all have, the favorable outcome to our mission. And here's why it's important to have the full picture. Because knowing where we're going helps us all work together to get there. It helps us have a common goal. And it helps me know my place in helping this church achieve that. How God wants to use me in achieving that. It gives us a common goal to work towards. So it tells us what to do. You know, I've shared stories with you about Annie. You know, all my kids are unique in their own way. Annie has always taken life by storm. She's always had a unique view of life. And, and you never know what she's going to say. Last week, we, were, we uh, were leaving lunch, I think, after church. We'd gone to eat. And from the back seat, out of the blue, I don't know what she and Eli were talking about, but she decides to share a poem with us that she had written. <laughs> she said, roses are red, 
violets are blue, I don't got nothing better to do. <laughs> Have no idea what they were talking about. Maybe she was just sharing with us. She wanted something to do and didn't have anything to do in her own unique little way. But I don't want that to describe this church, right? We should never say, I don't know what we should be doing. I, we don't have anything. We don't know where we're going or what we're doing. We need to know where we're headed. We need to, 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 to know what we're supposed to do. We, this vision gives us direction. It gives us what to do, something to do, not just something to do, not just doing something because we don't got nothing better to do, but it gives us something of kingdom value, what God's called us to do. It gives us a biblical purpose and direction. So how do we do that? How do we accomplish it? Well, that's where our mission comes in. Our mission. Our mission is to be a people and to lead people to become individuals who simple, love God, love people, share Jesus, and make disciples. We believe that by becoming those people and helping people become that, that will help us reach that vision, that end goal. The mission is sort of our GPS. It guides us as we attempt to fulfill the vision that God's given us. It gives us boundaries. It gives us guardrails, directions. It helps us know what to do and what not to do. Um, what's the difference between a, a vision and a mission? Well, the vision is the end goal. It's where we want to end up. The mission is how we get there. It's how we know what to do and when, what ministries to have and not have. Again, it gives us boundaries. It helps us know. It gives us direction and points us. In, it's kind of like a GPS, you know, uh, it gives us turn-by-turn -turn directions. It shows us what to do and when. It helps us judge what's important for the present and the future and what's not. It guides us in, in, in everything that we do, and it's based on some important principles. Very quickly, I want to review these for you. These are in your handout as well. Our values, where do we get our vision and our mission from? Well, they're ba it's based on some very important values, why we do what we do. One is biblical authority and truth. We believe that God's word is holy, inspired, and inerrant, and what we do is directed by that. We believe that. Well, we're going to look, we're going to, look to God's word to determine whether something's right or wrong in, t in terms of making decisions of what we do. We believe in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that he is the only way to God the Father that we are created for him, for his glory, and for relationship with him. And if we want relationship with God, it's through Christ. We have experienced that, and we want others to experience that. So that's going to guide what we do. We believe in relationships with people, that God created us, yes, for a relationship with him, but also for each other, beginning with the family. God created us to have relationships with each other. You may not be a people person. You may be an introvert, but you still need people in your life. We all do. We need each other. We also believe in ministry excellence. We believe if we're going to do something, we're going to do it well. That God deserves our best. And so that's going to guide how we do what we do. We believe in transformation of our Jerusalem. Yes, missions to the end of the earth, Acts 1a, but it begins right here at home. We need to make an impact in our Jerusalem. And we want to see it transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our basis, where do we get all this? Where does this come from? If the Bible is our guide, where do we get this in the Bible? Well, first is the Great Commission, or the Great Commandment, rather. Jesus was asked, what are the great, what's the greatest commandment? Here was his response in Matthew 22. He said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Two most important commandments summed up which make up the first part of our mission statement. Love God and love people. Jesus said it. That's the two greatest commandments. They sum up the law, the Ten Commandments. Love God and love people. Well, we also get the last part from the Great Commission. Jesus said this before he ascended into heaven, Matthew 28, verse 19. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. These verses tell us, make up the last part of our mission statement, to share Jesus, go and make disciples, and make disciples. Go Make, make disciples and then disciple them, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. This is how we know what to do. Those, those two passages make up our mission statement. They are the basis. So what, how do we measure it? How do we know that we're doing this? Well, very simple. If, if, we're, if we are going to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, how do we know that? Well, here's some, here's some signs that you are doing that. If you want to know if you are loving God with all your heart, soul, and strength, here's some signs. If I love God, I show that by worshiping God. We've done that corporately this morning, but I also do that with my life. The way that I live is my life lived as a sacrifice of worship to God. Do I, do I live for Him in my daily life? If I love God, I'll show that by studying my Bible regularly. Hopefully you've gotten started on your CBR journal. This is one, one of the things that we're doing together as a community of faith to study the Word of God and to spend time with Him. Um, but beyond just devotional reading, do you study, do you, do you really dig into Scripture? You don't have to have a seminary degree to study the Bible. I study the Bible regularly. I maintain a healthy prayer life. I mentioned last week, and, and I'll reinforce it, everything we do should be grounded and bathed in prayer. Um, how much time are you spending in prayer? Um, you know, are, are they just the ATM prayers where you pull in and you ask God for what you need and you pull out? Are you really walking with him in fellowship with him? That ongoing conversation throughout the day, are you spending time in prayer, in focused prayer, intentional prayer, um, communion, prayer, healthy prayer life? And also, if I love God, I'm going to obey him instantly. You know, none of us are perfect at this, and we fail from time to time, but consistently my life should show that when God commands, I obey. If I love him, I'll obey him. Jesus said, that's you know, how you show me you love me. If we obey him, then that proves our love for God. If I love God, that describes my love for God. What about loving people? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I show my love for people when I serve people outside the walls of Wall Highway, inside the walls of Wall Highway, both of those. So we're serving each other as a family of faith. But then also I'm going outside the walls and serving people. All right, so that I'm known as someone who's willing to serve others. Also, I'm involved in a connection group. I'm building relationships. You can come to this room at 1045 every Sunday morning in worship and never get to know anybody. I mean, you can blend in and never really connect with anyone. I'm glad you're here if you do that. Don't get me wrong, but if you really want to connect, 
and get to know individuals, you need to join a connection group, a Sunday school class. We call them connection groups because that's where you connect with other people and begin to share your life with other people and get ministered to and have the opportunity to minister to others in your life. Connection groups. I'm also going to have relationships in my life with my family and friends that are healthy and growing. You know, are, are my relationships meaningful? A- am I encouraging others to grow spiritually? Are we growing in our faith? Am I, is, are my relationships growing more intimately, more intimate? Uh, I mean, that's, th- those, are, those are some signs that I'm loving others, as, as I should. We're also told to share Jesus. Go and make disciples of all nations. This means, one, I'm prepared to share the, share the gospel. Anybody can share the gospel. There are many, a lot of tools that you can use. But if you can tell your story, you can share the gospel if you're saved. The most effective tool you have is your own testimony. And we're going to talk more about that in the, in the next year and preparing you and equipping you for that. I'm building relationships with the lost around me. Are you building relationships with individuals who are lost? You know lost people. You may not be aware of it, but there are lost people in your life. Are you building relationships? I participate in local evangelistic opportunities. In our Jerusalem, we're going to have evangelistic opportunities through the year. Are you participating in those? But also, I'm participating in missions opportunities outside of our Jerusalem. There are a lot of different ways you can participate in in missions and ministries that we do as a church outside of our immediate area. Are you participating in some way? Make disciples. I make disciples. This means I'm actively growing in my relationship with Christ. I am a disciple who's growing. I'm being held accountable by other Christians. You need people in your life other than your spouse who are holding you accountable who you seek advice from, that you take direction from, who are spiritually mature. That's an important uh, requirement. And then I'm mentoring and multiplying other disciple makers. Who in your life are you investing in? Are you pouring into? There should be people that you're pouring into. So how do we measure up and help people measure up? How do we get to the point to where we, you know, we're, we're a work in progress. None of us, that, that doesn't, describe any of us perfectly you probably as I do recognize some areas in that list where you need to grow and that's important to continue to grow but how do we get there how do we help people become individuals whom that describes who love God love people share Jesus and make disciples well that's where our strategy comes in that and the strategy is is our day-to-day ministry what we do from day to day to fulfill the mission and reach the vision our strategy is Again, it helps us stay centered, it helps us stay focused, and while our mission gives us directions, our strategy gives us tasks from day to day is the best way to describe that. It's the DNA of the church, and it includes four pathways of helping individuals who come into this church get involved in the ministry at Wall Highway Baptist Church. We want people first to get connected to Christ. That's first and foremost. We want to get them connected to Christ and then to his church, all right? And you're seeing behind me our new symbols that we have that go along with this that you're going to start to see on on a lot of different things. Um, We want them to connect to Christ, and then we want people to connect to the church. I mean, you know, we, we, yes, we're not ashamed to tell you that we want people here at this church, all right? We want to grow as a church because we want to see more people come to know Jesus, and we want them to get connected in this church. Then we want you to grow in your faith. We, just don't, we don't want to just fill up the room. We want to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. That's the next thing. 
And then we want to see you serve the Lord. We were made for relationship, but we were, God has also given each of you gifts and abilities he wants you to use for his kingdom work. So we want to help you find your place to serve, various places, if God calls you. And then we want you to go. We believe that we're all called to go outside the walls of this church, beginning in our Jerusalem and ending at the ends of the earth. And, and our church has various opportunities and will continue to pursue various opportunities of missions and ministry outside the walls. So four words, simply, connect, grow, serve, and go. That is how we narrow down the focus of what we do in ministry from day to day here at this church. So over the next two weeks, today and next week, we're going to look at our goals for the next year, the biblical basis for each of these, and our goal for the next year as we seek to serve the Lord and to help people connect, grow, serve, and go so that we can fulfill the mission that God has given us to be a people who love God, love people, share Jesus, and make disciples so that we can continue to work toward that end vision of connecting people to Christ and His church through, let me get back to it because I don't have all of it memorized yet. I should, but I don't. We want to connect people to Christ and the church through intentional evangelism, dynamic worship, through loving fellowship, through personal discipleship, and caring ministry. This is how we take the steps necessary to get there. So today, we're going to talk about connecting. Next week, we're going to talk about the other three, grow, growing, serving, and going. So connecting, just, just looking at connecting. How are we going to connect in 2020? How are we going to help people connect to Christ and each other and other people in 2020? That's what we want to look at today. We want, first of all, of course, again, I said it a minute ago, the, first in, the, the primary goal is to connect people to Jesus Christ. So where do we get that? Going back to the Great Commission, I mean, there are a lot of scriptures that talk about you know, connecting individuals to Christ, and a lot of examples, but the Great Commission, one that we've already read this morning, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So, connecting people to Christ. This year, I mean, there's a lot, there are a lot of things that we do on a regular basis that help people, introduce people to Jesus. I mean, a lot of different ways, but here's what we want to emphasize over the next year. Um, if you look continuously, um, uh, consistently at statistics, statistics show that more people come to church when they're invited by somebody they know. I mean, over and over and over again. We, when we're going to do big events that draw people, things like that, but, but the, whenever I've been a part of church growth, it's because people who are excited about what's going on at their church are inviting people that they know to church and to, to get involved. And, and you know, people, the, you're, you're doing that to introduce them to Jesus. That's the goal. You want to introduce them to Jesus. So we're going to focus on relational evangelism this year. How can we improve, and how can, how can I help equip you to be intentional in your life about starting and maintaining relationships with individuals for the purpose of sharing the gospel with them and discipling them in their faith. That's what relational evangelism. We're calling these next-level relationships, and here's what we mean by that. It's not, you know, yes, we meet people every day. You're going to have acquaintances. You're going to have folks that you consider friends. But the goal is you want to take that relationship to the next level in terms of leading them to Christ. You may not lead them to Christ when you meet them. It may take time. That's why it's called relationship. You're building a relationship for the purpose of, the purpose is 
to share the gospel with them, to get involved in their lives. Yes, to be friends with them and, and to, to get close to them, but to share the gospel with them and then to disciple them in their faith. And so we're going to focus on that. Where do we get that from? Like everything else, where, where, where in the Bible are we told that this is important? Well, the greatest example is Jesus himself. Watch how he operated. When he started his ministry, what did he do? Well, he chose 12 people to disciple. He chose 12 individuals. And he personally called each of them. He initiated a relationship with them. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. So we see the 12, but then pretty soon, pretty quickly, we see four mentioned more than the others. Simon Peter, his brother Andrew, and then James and John are always mentioned first in the biblical record whenever the the apostles are listed together. So we have these two guys. They were the first to be called by Jesus. um, And they, you know, both both sets of brothers appear to be present at uh, when Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law. But then pretty soon we see Andrew kind of fade into the background. And then From that point on, we see three who are always with Jesus, Peter, James, and John. So he called 12, which he, you know, and he, they ministered together. He spent time with them, but he spent most of his time with three. That gives you a model right there. Three people that Jesus really poured his life into while he was here on earth. Three individuals. Mark 5, 37. We see Peter, James, and John were the only disciples that accompanied Jesus when he raised the daughter of Jairus from the dead. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James' brother. On the mountain where Jesus was transfigured, the only disciples who were invited to be a part of that were Peter, James, and John. Mark 9, 2, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on the high mountains by themselves to be alone. He was transformed in front of them. He was transfigured in the presence of Moses and Elijah, and those three guys got to see that. He invited them into that experience. In the Garden of Gethsemane, right before Jesus goes to the cross, he selects Peter, James, and John, those three guys, to come with him as he's agonizing to come and to pray to this solitary place of prayer with him. Mark 14, verse 32, he came to a place named Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. He began to be deeply distressed and horrified. Then he said to them, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. Then he went a little farther, fell down to the ground, and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Now, we won't talk much about how these guys did in doing what he asked them to do. They struggled, but the reason I mention that is because when you disciple others, it's a process. That's why we're talking about relationship. This is not a quick fix type of thing. You are investing in somebody else's life long term. Yes, to lead them to Jesus, but then to disciple them. Jesus poured his life into these, these men. These, yes, he had 12 followers, but he poured his life intimately into Peter, James, and John's. 
And that, we as a church want to model the same method that Jesus adopted, that he practiced while he was here on earth. And so we're going to focus on building relationships. How are we going to help you do that this year? Well, here's where some goals come in. Two ways. Two goals. We're challenging everyone. You, you begin now praying. There's somebody in your life that God wants you to invest in. If you are, continue to do that. Great. Um, make room for more if you, if you can. But if you're not, begin to pray to, to ask God to show you somebody in your life who doesn't know the Lord that you can begin a relationship with. Um, just be, If you ask God to do this, this is something he wants to say yes to, I can guarantee you, okay? I can't tell you all the answers to all the prayers you have, but I can guarantee you God wants you to do this. And so pray for somebody in your life that you can build a relationship. And again, this is what this is for the purpose of sharing the gospel, leading them to the Lord, but then not, not stopping there, discipling them, pouring your life into that person. Begin praying and looking for that person. So that's the challenge. And we're going to help you, equip you do that. That's the second goal is that we're going to have some training in the area of relational evangelism. Um, sharing your faith, being confident in doing that, and some, some advice and some pointers on how to, to begin and foster these relationships. And we'll do that uh, one of two ways. We'll either have a workshop that we ask you to attend, or I may go around to, to connection groups and take a Sunday if your teacher uh, will allow me and, do, and, and share with you that way. It's going to be very simple. We're not going to get too complicated but we want you to be equipped. I want you to be confident in this. So we're going to provide some training to help you do that. And we're also going to add this component to all of our events. Within Fall Festival, the Easter Egg Hunt, whatever evangelist, any event that we do where we're asking the community to come, we're going to have a team of people that their sole purpose, they're not working a booth, they're not doing registration, their sole purpose is to, to look to connect with individuals who are coming through. To begin this relationship and there are ways that you can connect with somebody with with the thought in mind how can I follow up with this person leading to a connection after the fact um, and, and so we're going to talk about how to do that and, and be more intentional about doing that with people that we have coming in we're going to emphasize this in this setting we're going to emphasize this in Sunday school and in, in connection groups you know, making sure we've talked about this, but we need to go a step further. What are our connection groups doing to follow up with those people that walk through our doors? I mean, God, there's God giving you a, a, a great opportunity to build that relationship with somebody. Um, and so we're going to talk about how to do that and reinforce this. Always be looking for opportunities to build relationships with the lost, to newcomers to our church. So a lot of people moving into this area, they're looking for a church family that already know the Lord. They need to be discipled. And they need to have a place to serve. So we're going to connect people to Christ and we're going to connect people to the church. First to Jesus, but then we want to get them connected to a church family because we believe that is vital for all of us in order for us to fulfill the purpose that God's given us individually. But also, he chooses to work through his church to advance his kingdom. That's the way he chooses to do it. Why do you need to be a part of a church? Well, that's just the way God planned it. That's the way he designed it. That's his plan for his, his kingdom growth in the New Testament church. It is through the church, through individuals who make up that church. So what does the Bible say about this? Well, in the New Testament, we see the church described as the bride and the body of Christ. First, as his bride. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 11.2. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, because I have promised you in marriage to one husband, this is Paul speaking, 
to present a pure virgin to Christ. So through the sacrifice of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we can have a relationship with God. Intimacy with God can be restored. Through the atonement of Christ, he makes us acceptable to God. We can be presented with the purity of a bride on her wedding day. That's what Paul's describing. And so as the bride, we are purified. We are made right with God as the bride of Christ. And then look at Ephesians 5, 21 through 24. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ, Paul's talking about the marriage relationship. Wives, submit to your husbands as the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife and Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands. Now, of course, this is talking about the marriage relationship, but what is, it, what is he comparing it to? He's comparing it to the relationship between the church, the bride, and Christ, the bridegroom. And how are we are to function in that relationship. We are to live in submission to Jesus as the head of this church. Submit to the authority of Christ. This isn't a demeaning thing. You know, we read that and, 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 and we've come to believe that it's demeaning in our culture when we start talking about women submitting to men, but it's just about roles and authority and how God designs things. And especially in light of the church, Jesus is the head of the church. And we as a church are called to submit to him as a, you know, and love him. And then he loves us. Just as the husband's called to love the wife, you know, husbands are called to love their wives. Again, verse 24, same passage. The church submits to Christ, so wives submit to their husbands. Husbands, love your wife. How? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. He sacrificed his life for his church to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. So as the bride of Christ, here's how we look at this. Here's what we know. We are cleansed from sin. We can have an intimate relationship with the Father because Jesus has cleansed us. He's made us acceptable to God through salvation, his sacrifice, death, burial, and resurrection. And then he loves us with an everlasting love. So as the church, we know that that is what we receive from God the Father. So the church put together, designed for this purpose, to be cleansed, to be made holy, acceptable to God, and to experience the love of Christ. But that's not all. Why does he do this? This is the setting apart, okay? He, he cleans us up and sets us apart, but he sets us apart for a purpose. And that's where the description of the church as the body of Christ comes in. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 27. You are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Individual members. Our bodies are made up of a lot of different members, right? You know, fingers, arms, toes, feet, legs. I mean, you know, everything down to the organs. Everything, when healthy, works together in balance and everything serves a purpose. And you need all of those things. If you've ever lost one of those things or lost the use of a member of your body, you know how badly you need it. You know, if you've ever hurt your back, you don't know how much you use your back until you hurt your back, do you? I mean, you realize, wow. Or, hey, if you've ever hurt your thumb, try, try. I had my, my hand cast in a cast one time, 
and I lost a couple of my fingers. I'd broken these two fingers right here, and I, they tied like, like my index finger and everything together in this cast, and I couldn't even tie my own shoes because I didn't have all the use of my fingers. I didn't realize how badly I needed that until I lost it, right? You need all of those members, and that's the analogy. That's the picture, is that as the body of Christ, we all are different members of that body, and we have a role. We have a function. We have a place, and we need to find our place, connect to the church, so that the body can function the way God intends and serve the purpose that he intended. The purpose of the members of your body is to help you to function daily, to survive and to thrive in life. Well, that's the purpose in kingdom work and kingdom life. The church is many members working together to survive, not just to survive, but to thrive in kingdom work in our lives. So we connect to each other. We connect to Christ and we connect to each other. Let me kind of give you a visual of that. Y'all probably seen these little, they're similar to Legos, but different. I used Legos last year, so I figured I'd switch it up this year for you. Um, these little connecting toys, have y'all ever seen these? They're kind of addictive to play with. I mean, you can, you can connect them and make all sorts of things. I mean, you know, whatever your imagination decides need to be, needs to be made. And, I, you know, I'm just connecting a few here, different parts. I'm not that creative. So last night I asked Eli to, to take these. I said, buddy, just go build me something, whatever you want to build. You go build it. He's our little engineer in the family, and he can, I mean, he can come up with some stuff. And so I, he got his, his little connecting toys, whatever. I don't even know what these are called. But he, he went in the living room, and he worked for, I don't know, about 15 or 20 minutes, and this is what he came out with. He comes out with this little creation here, and this isn't just any. He has a full description of what it is. And what everything does. Now, I'm probably not going to do it justice, but I'm going to try to share with you what this is. This is a fireworks machine, okay? Now, I got y'all let me know if I get it wrong afterwards. I wish he were in here because he would let me know if I got it wrong. But the, the fireworks come out of here, and this down here is where all the fireworks are made. So everything has a piece, it has a function, it connects together. And I'm, I mean, that's just the, the best I can describe it. I'm sure he could give you a lot more detail if you ask him, be, you know, if you want to ask him later. But this is, these were meant to be connected, right? I mean, they, you know, just one by itself, I mean, it, there's not a whole lot you can do with that. I mean, other than step on it in the middle of the night when it's in the floor. <laughs> it was made to be connected. And... In Eli's case, to become a fireworks machine, right? We, this is you, and this is me. By yourself, yes, you're important, you're valuable. Jesus loves you and you're valuable. But by yourself, by myself, I can't do a whole lot. But connected as a church, as a body, there's no limit to what God can do through us. Why do you need to be a part of a church? That's the way God designed it. He wants you to be connected, for us to be connected. We were made, like these toys, we were made to be connected to one another so that we could fulfill the purpose that God has given us. So we want to help people experience that. We want to help people connect. Look at Hebrews 10.25. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know, we we can discuss whether or not we're in the end times, You know, that's a big topic of today, but there's one thing I know for sure, whether it's actually the end times or not, the end is a lot closer than it was yesterday, right? 
It was a lot closer than it was a few minutes ago. And so as it's drawing near, the Bible says we need to get closer and closer. We need to stick together more. We need one another. So there's a clear mandate in Scripture. Believers are to be connected to and participating in the local body of believers, the church. Very clear that that's God's intent. So, you know, yes, you can be a Christian and sit on your front porch and still be a Christian. I don't need to go to church. I'll just worship God on my front porch. Well, you can be a Christian, but you won't fulfill the purpose God has given you. Because very clearly in Scripture, He says, in order to be all that He wants you to be and all that He wants me to be, I've got to be a part of a local body of believers and fulfill my purpose within the context of that church. So we need to be connected. So how can we help people do that? Well, we're going to do a couple of things this year that are going to help people get more connected. One of which, we're going to start uh, periodic lunches, um, receptions, uh, we'll call it meet the pastor lunches, okay? Very, uh, every so often, we're just going to have for, for newcomers, new members, visitors, we're going to have these lunches to where very casually give an opportunity for folks to get to know me, some of the other pastors, and to get to know each other. Uh, this will be in addition, we've already started our new members class, we've had two of those, uh, very well attended, um, but, but we're going to continue that, but we're also going to have these periodically just to give folks an opportunity in a comfortable environment uh, to get to know some folks and to get to know me. We're also going to look for creative and innovative ways to introduce Wall Highway to the members of our community. You know, just to help them to know we're here. We've already done some things, but we've budgeted. We've increased the budget. This is one of the areas we increased this year so that we can uh, essentially advertise, for lack of a better word. You know, there are ways that we can do that. Um, billboards, radio ads, ads in the newspaper, uh, flyers in coffee shops. I mean, uh, we, and this is something we've already started doing and we've seen immediate results. Uh, we're we're going to continue to increase our presence on social media. Um, whatever you think of social media, it can be a great tool to reach people if used properly. And we're going we're gonna to take advantage of that um, so that we can reach individuals, continue to reach individuals. So we're going to look for creative ways to introduce folks to this church. And we're going we're gonna to always, this is an ongoing thing, but we're really going to work to improve guest follow-up. We've talked about structuring this and, and our connection groups. Um, we're going to take the next step here. We're going we're gonna to reinforce that yes in connection groups. But, but, but really the way we do this, go back to the previous goal, is through those next level relationships. If we want people to stay connected to this church, then we've got to help them connect with individuals. I've got to be looking to build relationships with the people that come into this church. So we're going to continue to we're gonna, we're look at how we can improve that. Um, and we're also going to com- improve our church-wide communication. Yes, we want to connect people to Christ, to the church, but we want to help you stay connected to what's going on. You know, the, we've used the Yahoo Groups email for years and years and years. That is going away. Yahoo is changing that, and, and we are moving to a new system. And this system, we've already got our leaders signed up. Our leaders have volunteered to be guinea pigs with this new communication system. And we're asking you as a church, if you want to know what's going on from day to day, we want you to sign up. The system's called Flocknote, and it is a church communication text and email system. And here's, what I, there, here's how we can meet one goal today. I'm asking you to sign up for this, okay? Don't worry, we're not going to drown you with emails and texts, Okay. It will be information that you need to know about the church, and in the future will be different groups that you can join. But today, we're starting here. We're asking you to sign up for this, and this is how you sign up to get the general announcements that we will be sending out. Everything will go through the church office. 
It has to meet some standards. It has to be church-related, all right? And we will filter it through the office, and then it will go out to the church. You're not going to be, you're not going to get tons and tons and tons of emails or texts, but sign up for this, send a text to that number, and then you'll get instructions on how to register. You'll get a text with a link to sign up for, you can choose email and text, one or the other. I mean, you can, you can get specific there. I recommend both because there are some things that come through email that, that are going to be too long for a text, that sort of thing. But again, we want you to stay connected to what's going on. In the future, we will develop groups. If you're in a leadership group, you will be a part of a group. Connection group leaders, you'll be a part of a group. We can define some of those. But starting today, we're asking you to sign up for this. And I'm going to test it this week. I'm going to send out a message about the parenting class, but also just to, to let you know it's working and functioning and that sort of thing. Okay, so sign up. That's one of the goals that we can meet right now. And we'll provide this for the next few weeks to help people sign up for this, to know how to sign up for it. All right. We're going to look for different ways we can continue to bridge the gaps, generational gaps in our church as well. You know, um, one of the things we're going to look at is how we can continue to grow and and connect the different age groups. We're going to connect people to the church and we're going to stay connected. Um, You know, senior adult ministry down to children's ministry. Um, and, and we're going to look for opportunities to be creative there and do that. But our, our goal is that we want, listen, we're going to continue to grow. And you're not going to be intimately connected with everybody in this church. But you can be in, intimately connected with the people in your connection group. You can be connected with other people in the church in different settings and different atmospheres. But we want to make sure that we are connected. That we're connected to Jesus and that we're connected to each other. And let me kind of show you why that's important. I've just got a couple of sheets of paper here that I've cut. And I want to use them to to illustrate uh, the importance. The Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, I mean, you know, in life, you know, we've got to, if we want to to make it past this life, we've got to be connected to him. We've got to be connected to Jesus through salvation, his death, burial, and resurrection, accepting salvation. That's how we're saved. Um, uh, He's the only way to the Father. Uh, But in doing that, we are connected to the church, the body of Christ. And we do need to be connected to believers. Being being a church member doesn't save you, but that's part of God's design. You're connected to Christ, and then you're connected to the church. So let's take this sheet of paper. I'm just going to fold it or to to make a circle like this. Got my tape here. I'm going to tape it together. So this is, we're going to say that this is your life or my life, whoever, I go through life, and I never make a decision to follow Christ. Sad, but it happens, right? People live their whole lives, and they never accept Jesus. They never accept salvation. Eventually, my life is going to end. I'm going to be separated from this life. And if I'm not connected to Christ, and as a result, connected to his church, that doesn't save me, but I'm, I'm connected to the church, and I'm connected to Christ. When my life ends... I'm separated from God for all of eternity. And I don't mean to make light of that. That's, that's sad. I mean, I've done a lot of funerals. People that never made that decision to follow Christ. People in my own family that didn't make that decision to follow Christ. So, how do you avoid that? Well, I'm going to take another sheet of paper, and this time I'm just going to put a little twist in it, okay? And the twist is for us, not to make light of accepting Jesus, but the difference is Jesus. 
for us the twist in, in our lives versus that life is that I have accepted Christ and as a result have become connected to his church. So I'm connected to Christ and I'm connected to his church. That's it. Jesus is the twist. He makes the difference. So now let's see what happens. I go through life as we all will face death. I do. My life is over. I'm separated from this life, but eventually I will not be separated from Christ. Jesus makes a difference. So the question, yes, we want to be a church that connects people to Jesus. So let me start here. Are you connected to Christ? There's a lot of people here today. Some of you I know, some of you I met today, some of you I haven't got a chance to meet yet, hope to afterwards. Are you connected to Jesus? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father except by me. You've got to be connected to him. He makes a difference. He offers you salvation. Second, are you connected to a church? Because if not, I've got a pretty good suggestion for you. <laughs> All right? We'd love to have you if the Lord's leading you here. And we want to help you get connected and find your gifts and your abilities. We're going to talk about that next week and to use those gifts and abilities, not just to make this church bigger, but to advance the kingdom of God and see others come to know Christ. That's what we're about, and that's what we want to see. That's what we believe God's led us to do, and that's why we're passionate about it. That's why I'm spending three weeks out of the year talking about that, because this is the most important thing that we need to get. Because if we don't understand God's purpose, then nothing we do in this church matters. We're not about fulfilling his purpose. Then we'll do a lot of good things, but we won't do anything of kingdom value. And that's what we want. So are you connected to Christ and are you connected to his church? And if you are connected, what of these goals hits you, hits home the most? What do you need to do to get plugged in? You're taking them with you in your notes. You've got the vision you know, where do you need to grow? Where do you need to get plugged in? How can you help us fulfill the goals that we're setting for the next year? We'll continue next week talking about growing, serving, and going. But I want to make sure we've got the most important step, and that's that we know Christ and that we're secure in our salvation. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. And as we pray, you just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. If you need Jesus, you've got an opportunity right now. You don't have to have all the answers to life and all the answers to the biblical questions, but you do need to know that Jesus is the only one that can save you. And that in order to be saved, you've got to ask him into your life and forgive you of your sins. You can do that right now as we pray. And then you can come and I'll share with you what you need to do next to get connected with him and to get connected with his people. And maybe you're here today and you're looking for a place to connect and you want to connect with this church. I can help you do that. Uh, you can come during this time of commitment. Maybe the Lord's just leading you to grow in an area of your life, to improve. And maybe one of these goals struck a chord with you today, and you say, oh, I know how I can help fulfill that goal. Or I know what I need to do to grow in my life, in my walk with Christ. Uh, whatever the Lord says to you, however you need to respond, you do that during this time of commitment. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for your challenge. Help us to listen, to take it in. And, and right now as we pray to listen to your still small voice, Holy Spirit, as you speak to our hearts and help us to know exactly what we need to do to respond appropriately with instant obedience. One of the characteristics of loving you. Help us to respond to you whether it's salvation or church membership or, or some area you're calling us to grow. 
and, and to trust you and to step out in faith. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that we would be obedient now. Always, but in this moment, we would hear your voice and respond properly. For it's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. Would you stand for our time of commitment?